Welcome to the Missouri Valley's Mobilizing Voices for Change, One Valley podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and joining me today are three track and field Paralympians and Missouri Valley Conference student athletes, Indiana State's Noah Malone and Northern Iowa's Jessica Himes and Aaron Kirkhoff. And uh, we should also note that uh, Jessica recently turned pro. She recently wrapped up her UNI career, so we'll get more into that. But uh, welcome to all three of you. I hope uh, you're enjoying uh, a little bit of your holiday break. How, how are each, each one of you? And Jessica, let's start with you. I'm doing absolutely wonderful. I'm loving the Christmas season and the winter that we're in. And um, I'm excited to get into preseason uh, uh, for the upcoming like indoor season and then hopefully outdoor season before too long. <laughs> awesome. Noah, how about you? I know uh, you just wrapped up finals. Yeah, I'm doing good as well. You know, just getting ready for Christmas and the, the holidays and still at school training for indoors. So it's going good. Awesome. And Aaron, uh, you're home in Iowa. We were joking that you have a beautiful Christmas tree you just put up, <laughs> put up yesterday. Yep, we just put it up. Um, I'm doing good. I'm still training, lifting. Um, I don't think I'll be doing the indoor season coming up, but I'm excited for the outdoor. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing you during the outdoor season then. Um, you know, before we get into everything that sort of happened with the Paralympic Games and in, in all three of you, I want to delve into each of your backstories. So um, you each have, have dealt with unique ch physical challenges in your life. And for people listening and watching that don't know your story, uh, what is it that makes you uniquely you? And uh, Noah, let's start with you. Okay. So... I'd start by saying just in eighth grade, that's kind of where it all started. Um, that's kind of when I first noticed that I was losing my vision, or at least it was getting blurry at the time. And um, so I was in the midst, I, I've always ran track and I played basketball up until my vision loss. And, you know, I was just sitting in class and I was looking up at the whiteboard and I was like, my vision's kind of like blurry. I can't even read what the teacher's writing. So. Um, later that week, I think I went to like the ophthalmologist and figured out I have a condition called Libra's hereditary optic neuropathy. And it pretty much just strips away um, this, my central vision. And my vision field is a little bit blurry at times. And um, I mean, yeah, and I, it's been like that for six, a little over six years now. So it's something I'm used to at this point. Yeah. But it's it's still it's still good you know there's silver lining in it because it introduced me to like the para world and I've met so many great people so it's you know that's where I'm at awesome uh Aaron you know I know you have a form of vision loss too so let's go to you to talk about yours is a is a different condition than Noah has yeah mine's a little different I was born with it so I've never known anything different um I have like 2,400 in my right eye, 2,300 in my left eye. Um, I do have 100% peripheral vision, but um, my central and nearsighted is also affected. So just seeing like small print font, it has to be about 50 point font for me to read it. And then distance is very hard for me as well. I see about three feet um, clearly. And then it kind of just is blurry, kind of like how Noah describes it. Can't really see the board in the classroom. Um, but I just always loved track, even from like third grade at track and field day. And so I just never really knew anything different with my vision. So I just kind of played sports like everyone else and did track. And I did cross country track and basketball in high school throughout my years. And I just really loved track. And then I committed to Northern Iowa. So 
that's kind of a quick story of it. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, so I'm a lower right leg amputee. When I was born, I was diagnosed with amniotic banding syndrome, which is a rare congenital defect where the amnion bands in the amniotic sac get tangled up. And for me, it affected my lower right leg. So I was born with a deformed leg and a partial foot, but after a year of trying to save it and figure out what to do with it, we decided on amputation. So since then, I've been using prosthetics. And thankfully, when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I was given my first sports-specific prosthetic, which allowed me to uh, do the sports I loved, particularly track um, and run at a level that helped me compete with my other able-bodied teammates and able-bodied friends. And that really helped spark the love I had for the sport. And that continued through today, where I was thankfully able to compete with it um, on Team USA. Awesome. What, what is something for, this is for all three of you, what's something about what you deal with day to day that you think would surprise people out there that they probably don't realize? And Jessica, let's start with you. I think a few of the day-to-day things that people don't like think about with amputees is driving and showering. Mm -hmm. I'm a right leg amputee and usually you drive with your right foot and I just drive with my left foot. That's how I personally adapt to it. And sometimes people get very confused when they watch me drive because they think, oh my gosh, how do you like, how do you do that with the pedals? It doesn't make sense. But for me, when I look at someone else driving with the right foot, I have a bit of a panic for a split second thinking, I can't do that. How are they doing that? That doesn't make sense to my brain. But obviously that's just how I adapted and I did everything showering, getting around, um, especially right now in the winter with snow and ice, we have a lot less stability and those are just little things that affect day to day, but we sort of learn to navigate. Erin. Uh, let's see, day to day, honestly, I think the thing I worry about the most is just um, in social situations, I like, I struggle seeing people's faces and recognizing who they are. So a lot of the time on day to day basis, if people are just talking to me or they're coming up to me in any kind of social setting, I honestly just have like a little panic attack because I'm always just like, okay, who is this person? Do I ask them who they are? Is that rude? Because I know I should know them and I do know them. I just can't see them. So I think just the social aspect of just knowing who people are when I'm talking to them is kind of a little bit of a day-to-day thing that I deal with every day. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Noah. Um, I'd say one activity that I probably deal with every day is just, just normal practice. Like with everybody, like people ask me, I get this question a lot. It's like, when you practice with a team, like, what do you do different? Or, like, what workouts you change or this or that? But it's, like, normally everything's different. I do the same workouts. Um, I run the same times. Like, everything's the same. And I think people really think since, you know, I'm visually impaired and I can't really see as good as everyone else, it's, like, things need to be altered or changed. And um, it's never been like that. So I think that's one thing that people may not think when there's – a quote-unquote disabled person on a D1 track team so yeah that, that's what I would say no I uh it's it was awesome to watch you know I remember from the outdoor championships in the spring you were part of the four by 100 squad yeah, yeah. In state, which was really mm-hmm. cool so. yeah uh we we were talking a little bit off camera before we started and I was telling you that you know I hesitate to use the word disability a lot because that's not really how I think of each, each of you, I just think it's, you know, you each have your, your unique conditions that make you uniquely you. So what kind of misinterpretation or, or stigma comes with the word disability? And Noah, let's start with you. I would just say the simple fact is like, when you hear disabled, people think you can't do things. 
And I never thought that to be true. When um, I first started hearing the word disabled, it was just like, okay, well, I'll just see that as I can still do it pretty much everything. It's just I may either do it a different way or it may take me a little bit longer to do it. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't think there's one thing that Aaron, Jessica, or myself could, could not do. We would just may have to do it a different way. So I think for me, that's that's one thing that I've always, always uh, noticed with that word. Jessica. Yeah, for me, I really um, accepted the word disability as a part of myself and within the community. You know, historically, we've heard the word disabled and sort of viewed it as a bad thing. We viewed people who are disabled as, you know, having less value. And unfortunately, you know, that's has been wrong for so long. But the reality is people who have disabilities are completely of value. And like Noah was saying, we can do with so many things with our lives are so beautiful that do not have to be hindered or taken down because of our disability. So I personally love the word disability. And I think that is something that our community is really embracing. Awesome. Good to know. Erin. Uh, uh, I just, I never use the word disability. Um, people do probably have the stigma that it is um, kind of a bad term or it's a bad thing. And I've never like thought of myself as like someone that is disabled or I think everyone that is just has the abilities to do what they do with their abilities is just amazing. So I just, I don't prefer the word. I usually just say I have a vision loss and I just don't like the word, but um, yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's why, I think that's why this discussion is so good too, is because each person, you know, has their individual take on the word. So I think it's valuable for people to hear the different perspectives. So, um, you know, one of the things that I want to get into is the Paralympics. Obviously that was such an incredible honor for all three of you to be able to represent Team USA this summer um, at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. And so looking back on that time, what kind of impacted representing our country and the track and field world on the world's biggest stage make on you. Noah, let's start with you. Um, it was just for me, it was just a, a truly a proud moment to be like a Paralympian. Um, when I got back to campus, I believe like the next week, you know, there's people saying like, they've never heard of para, but you know, since you go to the same school as me, it's like, now I'm, I kind of know what para is. So it's like, the fact that we can, I guess, educate people what parasports is, is also, you know, a proud moment, but it's also a thing where it's like, I'm just kind of honored to be able to represent our country and still have a platform to tell our story and compete and like do what we love, um, you know, in like Tokyo and a place like that. So it was a whole lot of different emotions and, um, you were, I really can't even put into words, but it was a great experience for sure. Well, and let's, let's brag on you for a little bit too, because uh, you did come home with two silver cynical medals. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, about your races, because that, you know, even in the silver medal, you know, you, you set an American record. It was a world record, a couple world records that beat you. Oh yeah. It was, yeah, that all those races were really surreal. Um, I mean, the hundred, it was, you know, I was just getting out there and I didn't really, the 100 was my first race. So I didn't really know what, what to expect at first with there being no fans and just kind of going through the motions kind of at first during the prelim. But um, the final, it was cool. There was still energy and there was nobody there. So that was always fun. And the 400 was probably my best, my favorite moment coming 
out of Tokyo because I don't normally run the 400 and I still managed to, um, you know, have a good performance. So that was good. And the relay is always fun running with, um, running with those people. So I, yeah, it was, it was just a fun experience. I learned a lot too from it. So that's, that's good. That's great. So uh, is, is coach Martin, is she going to lobby you to do the 400 this year? Because I know the announcers on the broadcast were saying, um, yeah. I know this is not his favorite race, but he might want to consider doing this in the future. He, he broke the American record. They, you know, we actually have a really strong 400 group, but uh, she always brings up throwing me on a four by four at like conference. So we'll see who even knows. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jessica, let's go to you. You know, this was your second time being on the Paralympic team. Uh, so you know, unique experience, obviously, in Tokyo, but what really stands out about, about those couple of weeks? Yeah, I think that I really noticed the most was the growth and the support for the para movement. I mean, as you mentioned, I had the um, honor to represent in 2016 as well. And at that point, um, after the games, I finished my high school uh, year and then went into college. And going into college, no one really knew about the Paralympics in my area. And they they just had never really heard about it or were really invested. And by the time Tokyo came around, that completely flipped. And, you know, with Aaron, we had two of us on the team that were uh, competing for the team and our whole university really rallied around us. And seeing that growth over the past four or five years between the games was such a huge point of pride for me. And it showed me how much impact one and now two athletes can have on a movement in our little area of the world. Yeah. And you, uh, you threw the discus. So tell us about you, you, what was, what I found interesting, what I learned is that you got you're grouped all together. So even though you were the top finisher in the, the T64 aspect, but you're grouped with, with other Paralympic athletes. Um, so if you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah. So typically in the Paralympics, you are categorized by disability and you compete only with your class. In some events, they do group them together. Like you said, with mine was the class 44 and 64. Um, and that's been something I've been used to the past few years. And it's unfortunate sometimes when you go into that situation and you know that there are multiple classes, so it's not a complete even match, but um, it's still a thrill to compete against the other classes because I don't always get to see them. And they're all such incredible athletes that it's really a joy to see us come together and compete in the same event. And you set a new American record as well. I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I was very happy about it. <laughs> I'm sure you were and well, well-deserved Aaron. Uh, this was your first time at the Paralympics. So what, you know, now that you've had some a little couple months now to digest everything, what comes to mind? It was just so amazing. And kind of like Noah and Jessica said, I was just so proud to represent the USA and I was like actually proud of my vision loss for once because I just always it's always been a thing where I just try to hide it and so it was kind of like a moment in my life where I was like I don't have to hide from this anymore and I'm wearing USA on my chest like this is amazing and it was just the, like the coolest thing ever and I was really proud of how I grew too just knowing that I can actually go to Tokyo on my own not having you know any family there, not having a coach there specifically either that I'm used to working with and just like kind of texting back and forth, trying to get workouts and stuff. And so it was just a great experience and I'm just so happy that I did it. What, what I found interesting when I was researching your background is just, you said you never dreamed about going to Tokyo. Why was that? 
I said that. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I read that you said that like, you know, I guess in the last couple of years, it was, you didn't know it was even possible until oh, more recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I was reached out about the pair world um, in high school and I just kind of wanted to focus on college. And then when the opportunity um, arose again, I was just like, I think this is my chance to take it and I should really do it. And I definitely never dreamed about going to Tokyo, but now that I did, it was, <laughs> it was just the greatest thing. So what do you, what do you think the experience really opened up for you going forward about your future goals? Um, it definitely, yeah, I definitely have some new goals set in mind. I feel like I was just like a little freshman, a little rookie kind of going into it. I was really happy that I made the finals um, in the 400, but now I definitely want to expand on that and work towards my 400 goal a little bit more. And then I also found out that Javelin is in T13, which is my classification. So I also want to try to work further into that and see if I can maybe throw Javelin in Paris. We'll see. So that's another thing. Awesome. So we might be seeing you with the jab here in the spring. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> a lot of work to do. Jessica, you, you were the first athlete with a disability that you and I track and field ever coached, uh, which I didn't realize. How did that coach athlete journey really evolve over the last four years into a very successful partnership? Yeah, I, when I first was looking at competing at a university, I was, you know, nervous because the majority of ones I looked at had never coached an athlete with a disability before. But the first meeting I had with the UNI coaches, they were just so curious about the para movement and about my disability, and they were so excited to learn about it. So once I fully committed, and I started my freshman year, you know, they were so willing to sit me down and say, look, I like, we don't know how this works. We don't know everything about training you but we want to learn with you. And for the past four years, that's exactly what we did. We had a lot of highs and lows trying to figure out, you know, how to best navigate the situation, but they were so wonderful and so eager to learn. And it, you know, it clearly has worked out for the both of us. And we're so grateful that, you know, our partnership allowed for that honesty and that vulnerability and learning. Erin, how much did just seeing Jessica had been a part of the team, how much did that impact your decision to go to UNI, just what the success she was having, the experience that she was having overall? It was definitely a huge impact for sure. I was kind of like Jess said, I was a little nervous. I didn't even want to tell um, Coach Paulson I had a vision loss when I was on the recruiting visit, um, just because I just didn't know how some people would react to that, but he's been amazing. But seeing everything that Jess has gone through and how she just loved it at UNI and then also going into the whole Paralympics and everything. We were talking a lot about it before I decided to really go for it in the summer. And it was just a huge impact because I just saw how successful she was. And I just, I wanted to be like that. <laughs> awesome. The next question for all three of you, and we'll start with Noah on this. How, how supportive have your, your teams and your schools and in your, your case, Noah, Indiana State, how, how have they been in celebrating your differences, but also supporting your dreams? Yeah, they've been beyond supportive. Um, my track coach here, um, Coach Bertoli, he actually went to, he actually went with me to Tokyo. So he was there the whole time. He was nice. there training with me here in Terre Haute over the summer every day. So, you know, with that type of support, I was pretty like confident and like that we would just do well because you know, with a school like that and just the support they give, it really does go a long way. And when I came back, the support, my professors, coaches, you know, teammates, friends, like everybody, the support they give was, um, 
was just I really can't even blend the words like it was just pretty great so um yeah it was good awesome uh Jessica let's go to you I know you you recently wrapped up your time at Northern Iowa but you're still training in the area and obviously spoke a little bit about your experience and and how great it was you know while you were there competing for the Panthers yeah it was such a heartwarming and humbling experience I had never felt so much community love and support as I did through the years and as I mentioned before it grew every single year and I just, you know, I knew that going into you and I, not everyone understood the Paralympics or knew about it, but leaving, I felt like every professor I talked to was so intimately involved in my career and they were so supportive and everyone knew about it, whether or not I thought they did. And seeing that growth was something that just warmed my heart so much. And I have so much love and respect and gratitude, honestly, for the support that the Panther community had for us. Erin. I don't think Jess could have said it any better. <laughs> I don't think I can say it any better now because that was perfect the way she said it. I, yeah, I just 100% agree. I mean, they've showed so much support, love. I can tell now with my, even my professors coming back, you know, if I'm like, hey, I need accommodations in this classroom. They're like, yep, okay, yep, we know you now, okay, <laughs> you know. Um, and just everything Paul, Coach Paulson's done and the whole coaching staff and all of our teammates too, they were always reaching out, always had things on social media. So it was amazing. Next one, also for all three of you, and Erin, uh, let's just stick with you to start off. How has sports and specifically track and field really helped your confidence just of navigating the day-to-day -day with your vision loss? Yeah, so track was kind of the one thing I feel like I always had, you know, especially in high school, it was the one thing I could get away from from my vision loss because um, everything in the classroom was always so enlarged and so big, and I had big papers, and, you know, I'd have big computers, and I'd have them on carts, and so there was a lot of attention drawn to me and sometimes in my, like the way I felt, I felt it was a negative. And so track really just kind of brought this whole other perspective, like, you know, she's not the girl that just can't see. There was a whole other element. So that was amazing. And that was probably the one reason that it was a little bit hard for me to combine the two and have track and my vision loss with the Paralympics at first, but now it's just made it even better and made me even more confident because I don't have to hide away from it. Noah. Honestly, being visually impaired, I'm right in the same boat as Aaron. Like, it's like when it comes to track, I think it's a great, well, for me, I use it as a place just to almost escape. So, like, you know, when I see my friends or I'm just in the middle of a workout, I don't think about anything else. So, it's like, I don't even feel visually impaired on the track. Like, I feel like I have 20 20 vision on the track. So, it's like, and that's a good feeling to have because, you know, let's just say I'm in the classroom or whatever else, I'm reminded that, oh, you have to like get large print or something. I'm always reminded of how I'm visually impaired. But when I'm on the track, it's just, there's just no like limits, honestly. And that's just a good feeling I love to have. So going to the track, you know, every day for practice, going to meets um, or even any like para, any para meet or something like that. It's just like an escape from, from I wouldn't say escape from reality, but it's just a good place to be mentally because there's just no limits on the track, so, yeah. Jess? Yeah, for me, track and field honestly gave me a freedom, and, you know, when I first started track and field, I had tried out lots of other sports, but I found that with track, I could really focus on me, myself, and the clock. I didn't have to think about other people around me, what they were doing, if they're faster, slower, farther or not. For me, I could focus on my own times, my own distances, and 
work on improving myself without worrying so much about everyone else. And that honestly gave me a lot of confidence, particularly because my disability is one that's very visible to others. I couldn't hide that very well. And so having something that allowed me to focus so much on my own growth, allowed me to be more confident in showing others my disability and being very proud about competing with it. Noah, what inspired you to write your book, Losing Vision, Not Dreams? That's a good question. I would say, so my uncle is, um, has the same condition as me. He's like 50 and he has the same visually impaired, like he's visually impaired as well. And I just thought like when he was a little kid, when he, he lost at the same age as me at 13, I don't feel like he had somebody to look up to who was visually impaired or I don't know, like a, I'm sure there wasn't many books back in the 70s or 80s. So it's just like, I just kind of wanted to put that out there for somebody else to just know that there's all, there's all sorts of platforms you can still be involved with if you have a vision impairment or whatever your disability may be. So it's like, I don't know, I just wanted my story to be out there so I can like inspire whoever that may not know that this many people have Libras. So it's just like, it's just a good platform to, to help inspire pretty much. I, I, I loved, I was looking at your website and I loved you wrote, it, it's for, this book's for anyone that ever felt their disability overshadowed their athletic abilities and their achievements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing that really struck me from your website, um, you said, I, I used to count the rare days when I wasn't bullied at school. So how, how did, how did being bullied in school, how did that affect you growing up? Um, honestly, it was, you know, it was kind of hard because it was the worst in about eighth grade when it first happened, probably because, you know, it's middle schoolers, like everybody's immature in middle school. I mean, in middle school, it got easier over time. And like, once I got a little bit better at track, people started to like back off a little bit because people kind of just saw me as a visually impaired kid who is trying to run track or whatever. But like once they realized, I don't know, maybe that the jokes weren't even that funny or I'm an actual athlete who can do the same thing as anybody else. And like the jokes kind of stopped, but it's never fun to be like the butt of all the jokes. But um it just made me more mature though. Cause now like if I hear a joke now, it doesn't phase me at all. So I think I'm glad I went through it. Like I wouldn't want to skip any of the process that I've been on. So uh, it's definitely good. So it's, it's just a lesson learned. So yeah. To, to follow up on that, um, you know, in your book, how, have you, what kinds of people have you heard from um, whether it's little kids or just people that you've encountered over your time in, in athletics and track that, um, you know, what you're doing, you know, and, and by being a, a tremendous student athlete, how that's affected them just being able to watch you and have success. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, so I have a little sister and she tells me that's from time to time and different, just different athletes in general, they may just like shoot me a text or something like that. But I think para really does have a huge effect on that because now more than ever, like, the Paralympics and Parasports, their platform is pretty big and it reaches a lot of people. So um, that's why I'm really grateful for that opportunity to, you know, represent our country in Tokyo. So it's like, 
you know, my story can reach more people and then hopefully inspire more people. So, um, you know, being at Indiana State, hopefully that will, you know, just maybe inspire whoever else. But yeah, it's just a good platform to to do that. At. So, so to follow up on that, Aaron and Jess, um, just to kind of branch off from that, how seriously do each of you take your responsibility as a role model, especially for young kids and others who might be navigating a similar physical challenge that you have? Yeah, I really started to embrace it. And, you know, knowing that I grew up without knowing a lot of people that have my disability, I really appreciate now being able to give that to someone that, you know, might not have it otherwise. And it always just melts my heart whenever I get a message from someone from either like a kid or a parent just saying, hey, you know, we heard about this. We heard about you. This has helped us, you know, be more comfortable in ourselves. And uh, my family had a uh, time where I did a 5K at a local race and some family saw me running by and they saw my prosthetic and they're like, okay, cool. You know, it's nice to see her. And the next day they went to an ultrasound and found out that their baby had the same condition that I had from birth. And oh, that wow. just seeing me before finding that out gave them that confidence of like, okay, our child will have a good life. There's so much that they can do. You know, we've seen others do it and we know that there's so many possibilities for a child. So for me, it's something I take so much pride in and I absolutely love being in this role. Yeah, that's, a, that's an incredible story. Wow. Aaron, what about you? Your, just your take on being a role model, whether you realize it or not that you are. I'm going to kind of piggy off, piggyback off Jess and say that I take a lot of pride in it as well. Um, when I was in high school, um, I did cross country and um, they required me to have a guide runner um, coming into freshman year. And I didn't want a guide runner because in track and cross country and, you know, middle school, I didn't have one. And track, I never needed a guide runner just because it is, you know, a circle and it's pretty easy to navigate. But a cross country course, there's always going to be different hills, different potholes, all different things. So they required for me to have a guide runner. And I think pretty, yeah, I was the first one to have a guide runner, I think, in Iowa for the high school cross country teams. And, you know, I had a lot of different battles throughout the four years having the guide runner and my guide runner was actually named Emily Moser and she's amazing. We're still like great friends. We talk all the time until this day, but I had a lot of different struggles. Um, and then my senior year, Emmy Williams, she was our cross country coach. She came up to me and said that there was this other girl now coming up and now she has a guide runner. And so just that little trickle down effect made me feel so good that I could be the first to kind of help open it up so someone else could do it too. Noah and Aaron, both of you are, are one of the few legally blind division one track athletes in the nation. What does that say about the Missouri Valley Conference and their dedication to inclusivity that both of you, you're such a rarity, so to say, in the collegiate ranks, yet it's really cool when you yeah. think about your compete, you're competing yeah. in the same conference. No, um, yeah, no, that is crazy. That's, um, crazy thing about but it's also a really cool thing just because we were at trials and Jessica Aaron and I we took a picture in front of the um I believe it was just like I think it was just the pair of trials sign but I had my coach with me and then their coach was there in the picture as well and it's just like a cool moment because you know in NBC you and I in Indiana State you know we're always going back and forth when it comes to the conference title so it's cool that we actually just came together once and we're not even in an NBC setting we're in like a 
a para setting, but we're all on the same team. So it was cool to see in that aspect. And it's also cool that, you know, NBC has probably the two that, that we know are probably the only two vision impaired D1 athletes, track athletes. So um, it's definitely something to be uh, proud of for sure. Aaron. Yeah, what Noah said, <laughs> I didn't even know that like statistic actually, but that's amazing. I think it just shows all the confidence and um, support that the coaches have in both Noah and I, and then we can relay that back. So it's just amazing to see that. Um, you know, as, as we wrap things up, I wanted to ask each of you what's next, what's on the horizon here. And Jess, let's start with you because uh, you've wrapped up your collegiate career recently at UNI. And so now you, you recently turned professional. Yeah, after graduating, going to Tokyo, I decided to pursue athletics professionally. Uh, scary decision for me to make, but I really feel an important duty to not only continue with my discus career, but also to help pave more ways for the upcoming um, para-athletes and the whole next generation of adaptive athletes. Erin, you, uh, you're coming off, you took the semester off, coming back from the Paralympics and you're gearing up here to start things up again in January? Yep, I'm gonna go back to Cedar Falls um, in January and start training again with the team, which I'm super excited about, and then just kind of look forward to the outdoor season, so. Awesome. And Noah, how about you? How about you? I know you're in the middle of your, you said you have actually have indoor track practice here in about an hour. And uh, I know yeah, you're, yeah. you have a lot of name image likeness stuff going on too. Uh, I saw you have a couple partnerships. Yeah, it's just, you know, keeping everything balanced and um, still got to focus on the goal. And the goal right now is just, uh, you know, as a team with Indiana State, hopefully to win a conference title for indoor and then hopefully keep that momentum for outdoor as well. So um, that's pretty much. Uh, short-term goals a little bit longer is just a pair of worlds um try in august of next year so just stay in focus pretty much and um just trying to win conference titles for the for the team very cool uh well last thing I'll, I'll ask each of you is just anything else that we haven't talked about that each of you wants to add or that you would like people out there to know and jess let's start with you I think we really covered it all. I just um, want to give out a huge thanks to anyone who has supported us through the MVC and through you and I. I um, it's been an amazing growth for us to have, and I'm so incredibly grateful for it. Noah. Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you to you know everyone at the MVC, um, Indiana State. The support goes a very long way. So, yeah, thank you. Aaron. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you too. I appreciate everything that the MVP has done for me and you and I has done for me because they like completely changed my world telling now telling me to be in the para world and being a Paralympian is just a whole nother experience. So I'm just so grateful for it. A special thanks to, to all three of you for taking time out of your day here, especially during the busy holiday season. Uh, it's been fun to follow your journeys and Aaron and Noah, I look forward to, to seeing you in the spring again. And Jess, hopefully I'll get to see you at a professional meet here coming up soon too. But um, I just hope you you three realize just what an inspiration you are to, to not only little kids out there, but just people, everyday people like myself and other people at the Valley. Um, you're just tremendous role models, uh, not only as people, but as student athletes. And I just, uh, I, I love that you take your role in that so seriously. Thank you. We Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, you. really appreciate it.
And uh, a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to the three of you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you all soon.